For this special roundtable episode, we will be reviewing application materials from a pro bono student with their permission. We will be posting the materials on our Just Admit It podcast page and Instagram so that you can follow along. Now, let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome, and I'm Victoria, an IvyWise counselor, and we're here today to talk to you about something we do at IvyWise called Roundtable, and it is a way that we evaluate different students' applications on a week-to-week basis that really mimics what you'll find colleges do in the committee review process. So we wanted to give you a little insight into how Roundtable works. Uh, We typically will review students ahead of time and then come together as a group and discuss the students, the essays that we've read and our interpretations, any suggestions we have for ways to improve them and our overall thoughts on the students' candidacy. So uh, we'd like to give you a little bit of some background insight into how this really fits in with the the world of college admissions. So Carolyn, do you wanna tell them about how you experienced committee review at Vanderbilt? Absolutely. Um, Hi, everyone. Uh, Like Victoria said, my name is Carolyn. I'm another one of the counselors here at Ivy Wise. Um, And and like Victoria was saying, part of the reason we do roundtable here at Ivy Wise is because it uh, sort of simulates the experience of committee that a lot of applications are going to go through, uh, particularly at highly selective institutions. Um, So when I worked in admissions at Vanderbilt, as well as um, when counselors work at different institutions across the country, the process of committee um, is often when specific admissions counselors will read applications for students that they're representing uh, to the rest of the admissions staff um, and sort of advocate for that student, really bring out the highlights, the positives, the strengths in that application. Um, and kind of like a lawyer, sort of make a case for why that student uh, should be admitted to that particular school. So depending on the particular college at some schools, um, all applications go through committee and some places it's only a very specific number of applications. Um, But we found it's a very valuable process for us to sort of emulate at Ivy Wise to get kind of the same type of feedback that an application might receive in the admissions process, but in advance so that the student has a chance to um, make whatever revisions or changes would be necessary to make the application as strong as possible. Um, so that's the experience that we're going to kind of give you some insight into today. Um, and I'm going to hand it over to Zach, who's going to introduce us to our student. Yeah, thanks, Carolyn. Um, I will be joining um, Victoria and Carolyn today in our three-person roundtable. Um, and so uh, I'm going to be bringing in a student Uh, And we're going to go through uh, his entire application um, from his profile to his college list, um, to his grades, to his common application personal statement, uh, as well as the many essays that are part of the Stanford application. So we're actually going to begin on um, his profile. um, And uh, I'll just do a little bit of a summary um, for uh, the roundtable. And then certainly Carolyn and Victoria, if you have any other um, thoughts, you know, or, uh, or things that you'd like to point out, you know, pro or con, please let me know. Um, but this student, um, you know, I, I really have enjoyed working with him. He's a really great kid. He's definitely doing a lot of this on his own. Um, and <clears throat> as you can see, a very accomplished one. Um, he comes to us from Franklin, Kentucky, actually a pretty small town uh, in Kentucky. Um, and he's number one at his very large public school. Um, 
you'll see uh, over in his profile, um, you know, from things like um, pretty strong SAT, ACT scores, excuse me, um, you know, when you're super scoring, certainly 35 um, on that composite. Um, some nice subject tests, um, but not, um, you know, not uh, going to be quite at this sort of level of Stanford. You know, it's not perfect 800s. Um, uh, a mixed bag of APs as well, um, you know, probably speaks to, um, you know, a little bit of, of his high school. They're, they're not preparing for the AP exams, maybe elsewhere, but certainly eager to hear your feedback on that. Um, so, yeah, I guess before we, you know, worry about any of his activities, yeah, do you, do you see <clears throat> some concerns about any of, of the standardized testing as far as it goes for, for a school like Stanford, which is definitely his number one choice? is that he's taking a really challenging senior year curriculum, which is great. Like you were saying, he's taking a lot of AP courses. Um, I do wonder, and I know we're kind of late in the process and his ACT composites are fantastic, um, but looking at the fact that the science scores are the lowest in most of those testing, I do mm -hmm. wonder if taking a shot at the SAT would be worth it since there's not a science section on that test, just to see if you could bump those even a little bit higher. Yeah, and I was um, thinking that as far as the ACT, for me, the the ACT is fine, and I would probably recommend that the student not submit the subject test for Stanford, mm. because um, typically an 800 score we know on Math 2 is what a lot of the highest scoring students who are good at math are going to be scoring, so I'd just rather he keep it um, to the side and not submit it so that uh, they can focus on that that high composite of the ACT and the high math score on that test, which is a 35. And then I would also probably hold back the AP score of three on the calculus AB because the others mm -hmm. are so much stronger. And as we know, it's not required to submit AP scores to schools, so he can just self-report the other ones. They may wonder what that score is, but I think um, the three is just not going to be particularly helpful. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I've, I always have this dilemma with AP scores um, where everything looks really great, but there's the one that's below four. Um, and so, um, you know, does it does it almost is it going to work against him almost in a way if uh, if that calculus is the only one missing or will, will the school just assume I'm sorry, or, you know, Stanford or other colleges assume, um, you know, maybe he just didn't take it right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what you think, Carolyn, but my um, thought is that you they could think he got a two or a one if he doesn't submit it. That is possible. Um, but I feel like the three, either way, it's it's going to do more harm than than good. I, I would agree. And I think if we're, if we're making the assumption that this application would be like in a committee scenario, in, in most cases that I've been in, um, they're either going to assume the best or assume nothing at all. Um, so I think if they don't see that three, they're just going to not consider that test. Um, and I do think that having the three would hurt more than the question mark of having a blank, just assuming that um, it would be very rare that an admissions committee wouldn't make that negative assumption and that it would impact his chances. Yeah, okay, that'll uh, that definitely will make that'll make him sleep a little easier tonight. <laughs> um, and as you can see, um, you know his interests definitely lie in the poli sci law realm, um, and it's it's really borne out in his activities. Um, it's probably one of the things that I think is such a standout um, for him is you know a lot of president and founders, um, you know his his school, you know VP. Um, he actually um, was elected president, but decided to uh, to become VP because the person um, who was also interested in running, um, you know, kind of felt like they 
they almost deserved it more than him um, to give you an idea of what he's like. Um, but, uh, you know, also a leader scholar, which I, I love the leader program. Um, so, you know, I think that with, with schools like Stanford, you know, there's uh, always that goal to have that something extra on the resume. And I'm hoping that that some of that is here um, in terms of that level of initiative, but I'm certainly curious for your own thoughts as well. Yeah, I think the thing that really jumped out to me on his activity list was that he actually served as a campaign manager on an actual mm -hmm. campaign. Um, and, and like you said, he's in a small town, but that's still incredibly impressive. Um, and I almost wonder if, if that should be pushed up higher on the list. Um, mm -hmm. I know that his, his top two activities, he's president and founder, which is obviously really significant. Um, but I think the the role of campaign manager is definitely something that would set him apart, even potentially within the, the poli-sci pre-law crowd. Um, so I would definitely, as much as we can highlight that, I think it's going to help him out. Yeah, I agree with Carolyn. I think it's a great activity. Um, a lot of students are too nervous to sort of jump into those kinds of situations where you're going door to door and talking to people. And he shows initiative in, in doing that. I think he shows a great interest in politics, which he's he's got to be interested in for poli sci, right? <laughs> yeah. And I think another, uh, he has a lot of other great activities, right? There's a ton of leadership here and initiative as you, as we said in this particular activity, but there's also a paid job, which I think is, is um, quite abnormal in some of the, the highly selective pools. You'll see a lot of students who are highly selective um, candidates, right? They, they have done all the work, gotten the grades, gotten the scores, but haven't really also had time to have a paid job. And I think mm -hmm. it's impressive that amidst all of this hard work he's done, he's also worked a job of, as a restaurant host, which having worked in restaurants myself, mm -hmm. um, in and out of college, you know, I think it's a very um, exhausting job. So it's not nice to him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I think uh, it's a really good note um, to bring up the campaign manager higher in the list. It's not something I thought of before, but we'll definitely flip that to him. Um, and uh, no, I couldn't agree more about the part time job. It's a, it's actually what he chose to write about in his personal statement, um, which we'll take a, a quick look at. Um, you know, uh, we can jump to the grades really fast, really just more as a method of proving out. Um, he's he's definitely got the academic chops um, for a, a competitive Stanford applicant. Um, you know, really in brief, you, you can't get to number one in your class um, unless you have all A's. <laughs> um, and that's what he has um, and really is, is pushing every boundary um, to get himself more access to highly selective, um, excuse me, highly rigorous courses. Um, so really more of a just so you know, it is there um, and it, it does really hold. Um, and so uh, I think now um, we will move over to the personal statement because I think it's a great segue um, over from a, from the part-time job thing. And, um, and I know that, um, you know, I appreciate you guys have read all this beforehand um, as we do before every round table. Um, but, you know, at least for me, this is one of those personal statements where um, you're reading it and you're like, wow, you know, this is, um, a great story, but you learn a lot about the student and, and, um, and that's the kind of personal statement that really, really resonates um, with readers. Um, I, I hope you feel the same way, but also certainly open for any feedback that you might have um, for, for the student. Yeah, I think what is so great about this personal statement is that not only do we get some context about the student's background, right? Um, how he is 
growing up and um, how he's working and how his um, mom is a part of all of this and his, you know, his background is so clear here, but we also get a sense of his voice. I, I really like the way that the student talks about all of the things that he does and then his feelings, right? We get things he's done and the reflection on what it means about his life, his situation and his perspective. And I think that really strong personal statements do that. Um, and and he's really he's really pulled a nice narrative out here while telling us a lot of important information. Yeah, I agree. I think this is a really strong essay. I think he does a great job, particularly in the first half of using um, show, don't tell. So being really descriptive and very vivid in his language. Um, I really love essays that can manage to to do multiple things at once. So we get a little bit of an expansion on one of his activities. We also get some insight into his family, as well as just um, like Victoria is saying, his personal perspective and voice. Um, I think the the one, if there was one thing to potentially improve here, um, he, the, the thesis of the essay is really around kind of keeping these two different parts of his life separate um, and how he kind of came to the realization that he doesn't necessarily need to do that. His family life, his extracurricular activities, that those two worlds can very much coexist. Um, and I was left a little bit with the question of kind of what was the impetus for him to have that realization um, and kind of what was the catalyst behind that turn, whether it was um, a conversation that he had with someone or even just, uh, you know, a realization that he had um, for any particular reason during that event um, to kind of put a stamp on that turn there um, would be my only suggestion. But like I said, I think this is a really strong essay that gives us a lot of insight into who he is um, as a person. And that's really what you want your personal statement to do. Yeah, it's funny because I think um, for me, that was sort of implied in the essay, but you're right that he could come out more directly and, and say that it was sort of this, this moment, what the moment was, I guess for me, I assume the moment was this sort of embarrassment that sometimes can come from two parts of your life colliding that you think ought not to collide. And um, especially when you're dealing with, with being somebody from a low income background, surrounded by people who are not from that background, it, it can make you really feel that um, pressure of, of wearing the mask, right? And I feel like I really got the sense of that without him directly saying it, but it is worth noting that if um, if not everyone's getting it from, from the indirect way of that he's writing it, he may want to consider writing it from a more direct perspective of, I had this moment of realization and explaining that feeling. Yeah, you know, Carolyn, I think it's the, it's the show don't tell piece that I, you know, really liked um, here for him. And uh, it's something that he definitely worked pretty hard on to, to bring together this, yeah, this converging ideas of, you know, major involvements, um, his personal life, which can be a little bit difficult for some students to write about. Um, but then also literally his part-time job, you know, something else that he's involved in. Um, so yeah, I, I'm really glad to hear that, um, that you guys enjoyed it. Um, and this is something I think he was a little worried about, like, you know, the sort of those interrupter internal monologues. Um, it's something that I actually enjoy. I think they kind of add a, a bit of almost like suspense and a, a carried, um, almost like a, a carried, um, tone throughout that, that, you know, he's con he's searching for something else. Um, but, you know, do you find it distracting or you, you kind of understood what was going on there? 
I loved it. Yeah, I thought that was where his voice really came through and uh, okay, great. painting the picture of the event. And that's where I got this sort of sense of the the nervousness and the anxiety surrounding having to act one way and maybe thinking about your background in another way. And that is really tough. And I think he shows a lot of maturity in this essay by by, you know, talking about those things. Yeah, I didn't find it distracting at all. I thought it was a really great way to, um, like Victoria was saying, give insight, but also kind of move the reader along in an interesting way. Um, if anything, you might even be able to add more of that in the second half of the of the essay, but I really liked it. Okay, awesome, awesome. That's great. Um, yeah, it's something he's worked on throughout the summer um, until now. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think... I really wanted him to bring out this per true personal side of himself and save some of the accomplishments for later. Um, and and uh, that's kind of what we'll do now. Um, you'll see a lot of this in the Stanford essay, but hopefully you're getting a, a good amount of um, who he is and some more of this personality and voice. So um, that's definitely something uh, I'll, I'll hope that you can look out for as we do the, the Stanford essay. So we'll transition over into that. Um, so uh, as we know, there's a lot of Stanford essays. We'll probably just, might as well just take them in order. The letter to the roommate kind of gets people um, sometimes. Um, but uh, I actually, I found that um, he, the student kind of like really leans into the, you know, the voice aspect of it. Um, that's something that, um, you know, maybe kind of pushes the envelope um, from that, that side of tones, but um, I kind of liked it personally. Um, what do you think? Anything, anything a little too far? <laughs> I think it's got a great, um, a great balance here. It's it's really fun and and he has a great you know energy in this essay, which I think is important. I think Stanford is looking to see, hey, are you going to going to be a great roommate to someone? Are you going to be somebody likable who people um, would love to live with? And then also they're trying to get a little bit more information about who you are. And I think he does both here pretty well. I I love the optimist energy and the. The reaching out and, and sharing part of his his background, his cultures. So that's that's really nice. Um, I, I really like it. I really enjoyed this as well. Um, I like you were saying some of the the responses to this prompt can can feel a little awkward, a little bit quirky. Um, but I I really enjoyed this response. I if I if I were an incoming student, I would thoroughly enjoy being the student's roommate. Um, I, I'm a Kentucky girl, so the shout out to Elliot and the idea of bringing his um, Kentucky identity to the table definitely really resonated with me. I think that was great. Um, there was one um, just like very minor technical um, correction that I have in the second paragraph, I think about halfway through, he talks about um, our discussions will rightly include um, both x to y and i think he meant mm. both and as or you're from too he got a little bit um yeah, yeah, yeah. I was confused there but um just a super small note overall i really enjoyed it yeah yeah good grammar connect uh but yeah yeah i'm, I'm glad um i always love when i have to google something when i'm reading an essay um and so i was like i've never heard of al8 um but i'm glad you have carolyn <laughs> um, you should check it out yeah <laughs> i will next time next time i head on down um but um Cool. Good. I'm glad. Like to me, yeah, this is the essay to like just like go 100% personality on, and um, I feel like he did that pretty well. Um, so for yeah, number two, it, oh sorry, go ahead. Oh yeah, I was going to say I think what um, will become clear as we go through the rest of these essays is that a lot of Stanford's other essays are incredibly intellectual. So anyone who's mm -hmm. just jumping on to this first one. Um, there's going to be a lot of extra 
essays here that are going to deal with his academic interests and, and things like that. So in that context, I, I always usually come back to this one last because um, I think it offers a chance to kind of fill in the, the details of all the, the things you didn't get to say when you were concentrating on your academic interests. And, and he keeps it nice and light, which I like too, because you do want you know, that sort of person who could still have fun, even though they're mm -hmm. academically strong and academically you're going to be studying, you still want somebody who might go watch MTV with you, right? So that's all I was going to add is that anyone popping in, you're going to see this is not, um, you know, the only essay, there are many more coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and the next one, kind of a perfect, almost a perfect foil maybe to the um, the roommate essay is the the what's meaningful to you and why. And I think some students really, you know, can take the a softer approach to this essay. Um, you know, this student wanted this to really highlight his, um, you know, as a potential future politician, maybe as he sees himself. Uh, really, almost wants to assert some um, some knowledge and some beliefs here. But um, I know, you know. You know, much like the old adage goes, you know, politics and religion, you know, things you avoid at a dinner party. Um, but, um, you know, Roe v. Wade, plenty of, of, of thoughts on both sides as the exists in our society here. So, um, you know, I think I'm, you know, I'm OK with it here because he is also sort of using this as a chance to showcase his environment, you know, where he lives and maybe feeling like kind of the minority um, in, in terms of his belief system. But, yeah, I guess, like, is this a calculated risk? Um one worth taking or yeah what what thoughts do you guys have about this topic here i think that it certainly the the idea of writing about roe versus wade is very much a hot topic and i think in itself is always going to be a little bit of a risk i think he does it in a way though that's not um super contentious it's not here's what i think about roe v way it's him mm -hmm. responding to a question about um, how important the case is. And I think regardless of what side of the issue you're on, um, it's, it's an important case. So I don't think he necessarily um, uh, alienates anyone too strongly in his response. And it's certainly representative of um, his um, political ideology, but also kind of gives us an idea of his um, place within his community. Um, the one kind of mental question that I had is, um, is to what extent and I don't know, is this dramatized? Is he actually the only person in the class <laughs> who thinks remotely the way that he does? And maybe he is. Um, and so I certainly don't want to fault that if that's the case, but I did kind of have that question in my head of, is this a dramatization of what actually happened or is this something mm -hmm. that, that genuinely has happened to him on a regular basis? I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I mean, it's funny, but I, um... I think, well, you live in the area, right, Carolyn? And, and I have parents who live in the area. And I think, to me, it was totally believable that he could be one of the only people who, who holds this belief. And um, what I really loved about this piece is that I think, you know, an essay about Roe versus Wade, somebody might say, you can't write about that. You know, it's, it's about abortion. And there are so many topics that happen like that. You can't write about that. It's about your parents' divorce. And it's not always true. Um, I think that there, it always depends on the way you write about something. And I think the point of this essay is not really about Roe versus Wade. That is part of the, the you know, what he's discussing here. But the real point is that he finds it incredibly important. It, what is meaningful to him is standing up for 
for what he believes in. And that's, I love that he chose to write about a value here. I think a lot of students don't always go that direction. Mm -hmm. And when he writes about it in that context, now it's less about what his actual beliefs about Roe versus Wade are and more about his commitment to discourse um, and sharing, you know, what he believes and standing up for, for that, despite feeling like the odd man out, Mm -hmm. Um, which I think is really, again, a very mature take on a, a subject that, that a lot of people debate and get very heated about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He also does a really great job throughout the application of being very straightforward and taking ownership over his own identity. Um, And so even by the time you get to the second essay, um, part of the reason why it's not, doesn't feel contentious or alienating is because you already know that this is who he is and this is the stance that he's going to take. So it's, there's nothing surprising about it. It's just very much um, his identity and he's reflected that throughout all of his responses really well. Okay, great. I'm glad to, glad to hear um, kind of, yeah, some, some reassuring feedback, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think there was a part of me that was worried, you know, he's definitely takes a very strong, uses some strong language, right? And almost describing some of his classmates, right? You know, the, the ones who probably are, are frequenting the aisles in the Church of Christ, you know, um, and, and, you know, this is an attack on their morality, uh, but he does make sure that he arrives pretty quickly, at, you know, by the end of the first paragraph at the point that this is about he either advocates for his value or he stays silent in the face of, of really just peer pressure, right? Um, and for him, it, it matter, nothing matters more than, um, you know, advocating for something he believes in and, and, and that discourse, right, as you, as you were saying, Victoria. So I'm glad that um, that's kind of the most evident part. It's not lost on the, the drama, if you will. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, you know, obviously we've got a lot in Stanford, so, um, and I won't make us go through all of them, um, but um, I think um, if we go to essay five, he actually, um, I think takes a little bit of a unique approach here. Um, you know, the 50, for, excuse me, the 50 word limit uh, essays for Stanford, um, you know, there's a lot of them. Um, and I think it's really hard to say a lot in 50 words, you know, I don't, I'm not rocket science there, but um, it, it takes a lot to pack it in. Um, so how do you feel about the sort of grouping method instead of, you know, what do you read, read, listen to or watch when the choice is yours, um, you know, in a listing form or maybe, you know, oh, I read this, I listen to this, I watch that. Um, he sort of groups them in uh, into themes, you know, or how do you feel about that? Yeah, I think, I mean, I typically see the other way, right, where they say read colon books that they read right and and there's nothing wrong with that i would say I, I find that completely effective if you have a great collection of works to talk about but i i really like the creativity here and um it gives me both insight into why he's writing about these particular things and um and why they might matter to him so you know now i know that he doesn't just like travis scott it, it motivates him you know and that's fun that's a fun detail. Um, and these types of things, I, I think I want to reiterate, like these matter, right? It's a 50 word mm-hmm. limit. How many times do you guys get students who say things like, oh yeah, it doesn't really matter what I, what I put in these, it's 50 words, but it really does. It gives you so much Im- more information if it's done well. Yeah, I really liked the groupings. I thought it was a very clever way to kind of add just a little bit more context. Um, I think that's part of one of the limitations of some of these is when you're writing a list, you don't really get the chance to add, you know, here's why I like this, or here's the context in which I I like this. So I I enjoyed that. Um, I, I I have a question around the proper, like, 
punctuation or, or italicization or whatever of um, podcasts. I'm not sure what mm. the rules are around that. Um, <laughs> I should probably look that up. I'm on a podcast right now. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but um, just something to think about there. And then also considering um, potentially adding um, for those of us who maybe don't know that Morning Edition is a podcast or a radio mm. show or what have you, um, because they're not in those categories by format, it might be helpful mm. to add those labels there. Um, and I know that we're crunched for space here, but I know some of those categories, um, hype and motivation, does he need both of those? You know, there's mm -hmm. room to edit there. Yep. Yep. No, I think point. he actually has a lot of words left here, if I'm counting correctly. <laughs> so he could uh, probably put a yeah, parenthetical around some of these. You're, you're right, Carolyn. That would yep. help. Um, I actually don't know what the new Washington is. I assume it's a newspaper, but I don't know. Or maybe it's an online uh news site yeah on um, like online political something or other <laughs> um but yeah i mean perfect there's a case in point right there right um so yeah, i think he's got five words or so to spare so you know adding the word podcast adding the word you know political magazine you know or it, it's not gonna yeah. undo him here so um yeah i thought to me this is probably you know talk about as you're saying victoria making the most out of really small essays um i thought this was maybe one of his probably the most creative approach he took in all of the Stanford answers um, was just to kind of turn this a little bit sideways and not just follow the prompt, but um, share what he reads and listens to Susan watch. But, you know, here's my philosophical side. Here's my, you know, when I need hype side, you know, here's my, um, when I want to stay informed side. So um, cool. Um, I will um, I'll take us to essay nine, actually, because this is where um, he's actually got a couple options that he is looking for the roundtable's guidance on. Um, you know, this is a, a fun one. You know what five words best describe you. Um, again, as you can see, um, he and I kind of like it, too. Um, instead of just going five individual adjectives, um, option one and two is is literally a, a phrase, um, you know, uh, that kind of describes him. But um, do you think that captures him enough or is he missing out if he doesn't choose you know the five the five listed words yeah i kind of went back and forth on this one i do think that option number three is certainly the more traditional i think this you know we can assume is what stanford is thinking about when they're writing this question um but i have to say option two made me smile when i read <laughs> it um and and looking at the words that he includes in in option three pioneering ET, uh, ENTJ, like we already know those things about him. So I don't necessarily think that he loses anything. If he goes with option one or two, um, adds a little bit of joy. And I don't necessarily think it, it takes anything away that isn't already represented in other uh, responses that he has here. Yeah, I went back and forth as well. I was really I was really choosing between two and three. I would say one for me, I was just kind of a little baffled like it was kind of like quirky which i thought mm. was like funny but i was also wondering in what context are the short shorts like is that a reference to something i'm not getting or is he just being funny so because i so much was left up in the air i think i i wouldn't choose that one but the second one also made me smile kind of laugh and then i did think oh i really like the third one but he does say that he found out he's an entj in another piece and we can tell that he's you know understanding and bold by the essay we just spoke about two essays ago right so i agree that kind of option two offers a new perspective in a fun way that that i like yeah i mean 
I'm also a low key cold erratic, so I, I <laughs> identify. I think many of us in admissions, like you don't read yes. dozens of applications without a little bit of caffeine. Um, That's yeah, true. yeah. I think um, I don't know. I just I am I'm kind of encouraging him maybe to to. He wants to take risks. I'm almost kind of like, I think you can do it. Um, you know, it's like there's some <laughs> students who maybe they're they're pushing the envelope for the sake of doing it, but like it, it continues to come off genuine for the students. So I kind of find myself gravitating to option two as well. But um, it's good to know it's kind of two or three is, is where he can put his time. Um, I think um, I just we can kind of finish up if um, with the two two more 50 word essays. Um, so essay number 10. Um, I guess like I, I, this is one too, the imagine you had an extra hour in a day, how would you spend that time? Um, it's actually, this is the one he probably went, had the biggest trouble with um, because he wanted to continue to maybe show some intellectualism um, to, to share what, you know, staying informed on things. Um, what would he do? You know, he's, you know, community activist or school activist or, or whatnot. Um, but this was one of the couple that he wrote for me about his grandma. Um, and I was just really taken with how sincere it was. Um, but do you feel like it, you know, for Stanford, especially, you know, do, do we need more intellectual punch or did this kind of hit home in the right way for you too? I wasn't necessarily missing the intellectual nature of this. I, I appreciated the, the earnestness and, and kind of seeing a different um, aspect of his identity as an his experience. Um, and I think that's the big thing. If, if he has a, a more academic or intellectual version of this response that adds something that we haven't seen elsewhere, that may be worth looking at. But um, if it's just, if it sticks on the same topics as the other academic responses that he has, then I think writing something that introduces something new. Um, that's one of the benefits of having an application with 10 supplements is that you can tell a lot of things about yourself. And we all have far more than 10 things about ourselves that are important. Um, and so I, I liked that he brought in something new at the end of the application here. Yeah, and he, I think the key is uh, triangulating your responses so that you have enough intellectualism throughout the piece, but also enough parts of all your different sides, right? In a piece with, or in an application with 10 different pieces, 10 different responses, as Carolyn said, you have so many opportunities to, to showcase a bunch of your different interests, a bunch of your different um, activities you've done. And he does have quite a few other pieces that we haven't yet talked about that are intellectual in nature. So I don't think that this one needs to be, I think this and the, the roommate letter can be a little bit more personal in nature and and give that kind of um, warm and cuddly side to his application. I also think our reactions to this response as well as the roommate note and the cold brew essay just to note would be very different if he didn't have the 4.0 and the 35 and the incredible mm -hmm. activity list like he's yeah. got the drops and he knows it like that that all of that mm -hmm. substantive stuff has already been established so that gives him a little bit more flexibility to show different sides of his personality i think this would be a very different conversation with a different student um, but because he is so strong in his profile it gives him a little bit more room to play around i think yeah. And I, I think, too, if same same kind of idea, if the 250 word essays had been written all about grandma, then we might also have a different reaction. Right. But the, the 50 word response, I think, is, is totally appropriate and, and gives us that that nice idea of him being a warm and um, very um, compatible classmate, roommate, doormate um, 
I always say the kid who would go get the chicken noodle soup for somebody when they're mm-hmm. sick. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think you would. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I like, I mean, for me, I'm always, you know, I try to encourage students I work with to, to be labeled, right? Like in high school, you don't want to be labeled, um, but like in the admissions <laughs> process you, you do um, like, you want to be like, yeah, the kid who's going to bring soup to his roommate, right. Or the um, you know, whatever that sort of moniker is, you kind of want those emotions to start to get tied to your application, I think, because that's, what's going to pull you out of a very, very competitive pile at a school like Stanford. Right. Um, so um, and then, and lastly, really, um, especially, you know, it's probably my favorite in the group, um, is essay 11. And, and again, we go back to his, um, willingness to, uh, kind of maybe push a political envelope. Um, but, um, kind of, again, takes a little bit more of a creative approach here. Um, uh, you know, a historical moment or event you wish you could have witnessed, um, it didn't actually happen. <laughs> um, is that okay with you? Um, or, uh, and, and again, you know, he's writing, super political and, and his reader may not agree with his political views, you know, is, is it worth the risk? Yeah, this one's a tough one. I think it's a great risk. I, in all the years that I've been reading these, these Stanford supplements, um, you can get a lot of recurring historical moments actually. And, <laughs> and, um, I think those can be incredibly interesting if you have a great connection to them, but I've never seen someone take this approach where, it is an imagined historical mm-hmm. moment that um, I think you know some people would not like to see. But mm-hmm. as um, I, I don't think it's too big of a risk. I think it's it's risky. But I think even the idea that somebody um, might disagree and not want Sanders to have won, they're not going to get angry at this response. He's interested in political science. He's clearly worked for a campaign that they. We already know these things about him from other essays that he has this viewpoint and there's nothing quite offensive about it at all. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's, I think it's fun and, you know, I'm with him. I, I relate. <laughs> I would love to see this moment. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the, the risk that you run when you interpret a question differently than what it seems to be getting at is that um, you don't want the admissions committee to think, Oh, he didn't understand the question. Uh, but again, mm-hmm. kind of like I was saying before, at this point, we know the student really well. There's no concern in my mind that he didn't understand the question. This is just how he chose to respond to it. Um, and so I appreciate that that risk taking and that creativity. Um, I think uh, on the topic of the, the political responses, this is also a testament to um, applying to schools that are a really strong fit for you. I certainly, I'm, I, you know, I'm reading these applications from the perspective of if I were a Stanford admissions counselor, I think the um, response or reaction to these essays at a different school in a different part of the country might be very different. Um, but because he's chosen a school that um, is going to it fits his um, personalities and identity and his perspectives really well and is really going to value him as a student um, makes these essays work even more. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think he uh, he really emphasized the word wish in the what event do you wish you could have witnessed, <laughs> um, you know, but um, yeah, uh, it would have been, you know, that's a fun like, yeah, okay, like, what do you what did you dream about? <laughs> um, but um, cool, I'm really, you know, it is he's obviously, you know, the Stanford requires a lot out of these students um, to apply. Um, and, you know, he knows it's a dream. He knows it's a long shot because for, for everybody, Stanford's a long shot. Um, but I'm glad to hear some some positive reactions to a lot of how it's written, what it's writing about, what he's kind of chosen. Um, so this is really, really helpful. I'm going to bring this feedback back to him and, and make a few tweaks, as you suggested, um, here and there. But um, this seems like this is 
you know, almost ready to go, which she will be very excited about. So thank you very much. Absolutely. No problem. Absolutely.